Welcome to Ahead of the Game, a podcast brought to you by the Digital Marketing Institute. I'm your host, Will Francis, and today I'll be talking to David Hunt all about marketing in the healthcare sector and his journey through that to recently starting his own agency. David is a true leader and innovator in pharmaceutical marketing with a track record of firsts and successful campaigns. Former CEO at Havas Links, author of Healthcare Heroes, and now founder of his new agency, The Considered, where, in their own words, they're aiming to break the rules to reimagine healthcare. Dave, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. So you have been working for quite some time in marketing for healthcare. It's not something that we talk about or have talked to many people about on the podcast. Um, so where, where are we at? Just as a sort of, a, just to set the scene, what what what's it like marketing in healthcare? What's it like doing marketing in that sector? What are the challenges, uh, and what are the kind of rewarding and great things about it? You make me feel really old, Dad. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's true. It's true. So I've been working in healthcare communications for the best part of two decades, which again definitely definitely ages myself. And honestly, like I've really enjoyed it. You know, I remember at the beginning of my career thinking, you know want to design cars or, you know, want to advertise this or the other computer games, all those things. And I, and I chose a career where I thought I could have the most meaningful uh, impact um, and where you could use like creativity and technology and innovation to actually, you know, have a profound impact on the lives of, of fathers, mothers, children, uh, friends, family, and, and obviously broader society. That's interesting. So you sort of found a bit of a deeper meaning in marketing for healthcare above what it would be like marketing like potato chips and fizzy drinks and stuff. Yeah, I remember particularly working on um, hepatitis C and it was actually one of the things that attracted me to end up working with Tom Richards, who's an incredible creative. And we're having a chat and we're having a few beers at this event and he's telling me he's working on like Subaru and all these other kind of exciting accounts. And he's not really interested in the kid next to him who's working in healthcare. And then he begrudgingly goes, you know, what are you working on at the moment? And at the time I was working on, on like hepatitis C. And basically like, you know, the cure rates had almost like doubled. And the, the side effects had gone from being absolutely horrific for a year to, to really kind of minimal. Um, and, and suddenly like you could see this future of making hep C history. The only problem is you need to know about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, you've created these incredible treatments. Science has done this fantastic job. But if the world doesn't know about it, then Pepsi is still going to run rife. And I was saying to him, you know, this is why I work in healthcare, because we've got the opportunity to, to really unlock the incredible potential of these scientific discoveries. So, yeah, that, that's definitely what I think of in terms of a deeper meaning. What was his response? He had a load more beers. And then about four hours later, I got that message that said, you know, can, can we have another conversation? And then, you know, Four months later, he was talking to me about, you know, what car he'd like and, and then he came to start working for us and, and the rest is history because, you know, he was amazing and a phenomenal partner. But yeah, all, all kind of came from that first conversation between Subaru and trying to make Pepsi history. Okay, so it's clearly very rewarding. What are the main challenges working in healthcare marketing? So without question, obviously, it's, it's the kind of legislation, it's the regulations and it's, it's the compliance and again, I, I kind of liken it to, remember being at uni and someone going, or, you know, one of those mad lecturers going, you've got to design something, it's got to be the size of like a postage stamp. You're like, really? You know, it's tight, really small, really hard, never can do this. 
and then someone you know cracks it with an amazing idea. Um, healthcare is exactly the same. It's everything's possible. You've just got to try harder, be smarter, and be more creative. So you've definitely got to go. Yeah, there's challenges and there's compliance and there's regulations, but you know what? I'm going to bring my A game. I'm going to overcome them because I want to have this impact. Yeah. So, like you say, those boundaries, those limitations, are actually what gives you something to kind of brush against and push against and actually get a real perimeter with which to play. Um, that, that That is interesting. Um, and is that to do with the kind of claims that you can make about medicines and things like that? Is all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it, it would definitely be my my biggest... So, so I've loved what I've done for two decades. It's also been challenging and really, really hard. And, and one of the reasons is because... Sometimes in pharma and a lot in pharma, it's like, ah, oh, I love what that other vertical's doing it, but but we can't because we're kind of pharma. So there's almost this like deep rooted anxiety and, and paranoia. And I've worked as part of some incredible teams for that for that two decades and come up with some phenomenal ideas where you're going, yeah, this is absolutely gonna change a lot of people's lives. And then you go into that meeting, you come up with these great ideas, and it could be in social or mobile, it could be in any of these things. And you go through and you describe this idea. And then, you know, someone goes, yeah, but I don't, I, I don't use YouTube. It's not a thing. And you're like, really? Or, you know, I'm, I'm not sure everyone's got a smartphone. You know, can we have a piece of print? And that, for me, has been like the challenge. And we can talk about pockets of work where you've broken through that challenge and you've had this really powerful impacts um but there are so many occasions where these incredible ideas have been diluted down to a piece of print because of anxiety in the industry and that for me is this pivot point that the pandemic has brought about where you can no longer hide behind that excuse because the whole world is is more capable and more confident in using technology and therefore all those incredible ideas we've had before suddenly we can actually realize them and have that that really profound and significant impact. Yeah, I, I get that. So it's quite it's quite risk averse. Traditionally, it's quite risk averse, but because of the sheer acceleration of digital transformation over the last couple of years, yeah. Do you think that a lot of people have just been pushed pushed into digital, whether they liked it or not? Basically, yes. Yeah, so when we were launching the considered, we basically you know were sort of trying to establish a position. Came up with the idea of breaking the rules, others follow. And it was intentionally meant to be self-selecting because there have been some great work over the past five, 10 years, but almost invariably they're with like that brilliant partner and that brilliant client, but they're very much the exception rather than the rule. Now we kind of find ourselves in a place where the broader industry is going, actually, we have to do more. We have to build on the positive work of the industry in the pandemic. We have to embrace the fact that the broader community is now confident in using technology. I'm really interested in, in how we do this. The, ch the challenge now is they don't necessarily know what that looks like. And that's where you need, you know, brilliant partners who can guide them through that process. Indeed. And talking of which, your agency, The Considered. So as a, as a further bit of background for listeners. So let's just take a minute to introduce what that is. Tell us about um, The Considered. So The Considered is, you know... Almost 42. It's the second agency. So the first was based in Manchester, Havas Links, became the Can Healthcare Agency of the Year. Very, very lucky to work with some incredible people and some incredible leaders. Uh, ultimately sold it to Havas 
fantastic deal. Um, but then, you know, I want to continue to have an impact on the world. I want to continue to do great work and, and great innovation. And the pandemic unfolds. And I'm, I'm sort of observing this taking place. And there's a few different things that, that sort of strike me. One is the ability to kind of curate and assemble incredible like creatives, technologists and innovators is very different today than it was two or three years ago because of remote working. And there's kind of not a day when I was running a vast links when I didn't go, you know, which 10, 15, 20 people do I need to recruit today, which is really, really challenging. And suddenly you've got this idea of a, of a workforce of 7 billion. So it's like, cool, let's, let's break the rules of how we assemble talent. And then, and then I, is it really a workforce of 7 billion? I mean, that's the population of the world and you can be live and, live and breathe anywhere, right? And work for anyone. And that's, that's true. That's true. And I absolutely crave that diversity. Do you know what I mean? That, that, that comes with that. And, and, now, you know, more than ever, as obviously the crisis unfolds in Ukraine. Um, so that, that was one idea. And the second idea is going, there's, there's better ways to use technology in healthcare. And we're only going to do that if we break some of the rules and we look at much more contemporary campaigns and innovations that are going to have a profound impact. So came up with these two, two ideas. And from that, I had the idea of, of launching a new agency uh, called The Considered. And one of the reasons being, you know, I simply hate propaganda and spin when it comes to technology. I hate people trying to be the smartest one in the room and coming out with the latest kind of buzzword to overwhelm everyone else and, and get paid that sort of their fee to stand on stage. So the idea with the considered is everything would done be done based on like data and knowledge and heart and everything would be done to be kind of meaningful and impactful um, and done with, with consideration. So we launched the Considered in September to try and drive dramatic change in, in healthcare. You talk about partnering. You, you mentioned that. And there's this, there's been a kind of burgeoning trend in the last few years, uh, most famously with agencies like Oliver, with this idea of like in-house agencies. Do, do you know the sort of thing I'm talking about where there's less of a... Yeah, it's a great model. Yeah, and, and there's less of a kind of agency somewhere across town that you have this quite distant relationship with and more about... Yeah, like you say, a more integrated partnering with a group of people, sometimes bringing that agency team in-house. Um, where do you sit in terms of that approach? So, I mean, I think Oliver's fantastic. And I think it's a brilliant idea. You know, I know David Jones particularly well, who's who's heavily involved in that. Um, when you run an agency for, for the best part of a decade, you, you almost never stop. And then I left Avast and kind of stopped, which gave me, gave me six months to listen and think and observe and all these different aspects. Oliver was definitely an organization I kind of looked into and said, you know, I really, I really think these guys are, are kind of on something. I, and I absolutely believe that the way the industry operates has to change. You know, if you look at the sums that are spent and the scale and sometimes the kind of compromise quality and uh, some of the systems that are in place and like, there's definitely got to come a day where there's some form of reckoning and some sort of change in terms of how you you enable and, and partner with creative agencies. Is that an agency like Oliver? Is that in-house teams? Is that, uh, I, I have no issue with the word boutique, is that, you know, boutique independent agencies? But I honestly, you know, believe that. So we're definitely not copying in any way, shape or form the model of Oliver. We definitely are, you know, making the most of remote and hybrid working to be able to pull on talent from around the world. We definitely do not think 
we can deliver a $50 million a year campaign as a small startup agency, we definitely are open to collaboration and partnership in ways perhaps agencies haven't been in the past. And I honestly believe that, you know, the more we kind of respect one another as agencies and we more we can kind of respect the different swim lanes and collaborate and partnership, partner, you know, the better work clients are going to get. So I think I think it's a fantastic, fascinating time. And I think it'd be very interesting to see the evolution of agencies in the next five years. And I definitely intend to be at the forefront of that in terms of experimenting how we work, how we partner and how we do the most for, for our client partners. Yeah. Okay. So I like the sound of this job. So I think I might start an agency tomorrow. Should I go really specialist or should I try and be a kind of all everything under one roof? Which, which do you think is the way things are going? So I've done both. Do you know what I mean? And I think it's it's driven by different agendas and different timings. So with Avast Links, the idea was always to like build out capabilities, you know, so you'd, you'd battle through assembling a team of like 25 engineers or you'd battle through assembling, you know, a team of search specialists and all these things. And, it, and it's been great and they've done, they've done fantastic. But we all know how hard that can be as a leader when you're getting increasingly outside of your area of expertise, right? It's kind of challenging. Also, it, it, it takes it takes time. And then you've also got to be best in class in an area which might not be your area of expertise, but it's worked really well. Now I'm taking the approach of, of specialist and very much partnership. So going, you know, what we're bringing is strategy, creative and ideas. And then when it comes to software, want to work with best in class software. When it comes to digital health, want to work with best in class. When it comes to social, want to work with best in class. When it comes to search and performance, want to work with best in class. And and I think that's a really, really interesting, eventually, potentially powerful model because it means that you've each got your own responsibility for being best at what you can do. And that's your sole focus. And that, I think, is is an interesting and exciting model set up for the future. I see what you're saying. So, so you're considered, you're focusing on creative and strategy and then you're bringing in uh, specialists to do the various bits of kind of production, delivery, execution, and what have you. After 20 years of trying to write code, I've established I'm definitely not the best. <laughs> I get it. We've all, we've all, I think we've all uh, dabbled in those things. And you're right. If 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 there's an agency tasked with like PPC, like their backs are to the wall very much, and they've got to deliver on their bit of it, and it means more to them. It's what they do. They're totally immersed in it, and ideally, they're the best at it as well. So I'd say what's dead interesting. The collaboration is much more around like how and when is so, so important. So if we take, you mentioned now like PPC, so let's talk about search and performance for a second. In the more traditional kind of model, you know, I feel really sorry for those guys because they're almost always last. Do you know what I mean? You kind of go through that process and you go, here's a strategy, here's the big idea, here's the editorial. Hey guys, can, can you optimize this? And they're like pulling the hair out going like, oh my gosh, why are we involved here and now? And then you go, why aren't they almost involved in first? Because, you know, search is fantastically important. And I don't need to tell you, bizarrely, I do need to sell my industry. And you're going, why aren't they involved in the beginning in terms of actually setting up that, like, foundational platform on which everything else takes place? And then half of that work is done and it's more effective. So what I actually believe when it comes to partnership is it's much more about how and when you do it. And that's one of the biggest issues I think the industry has always had in terms of bringing in the the right people at the wrong time. 
Yes, I mean, and that's been, I think that's been an issue for a long time, you know. Um, but I, I saw that with the rise of the social media 12, 13 years ago, PPC 20 years ago. You're right that these these kind of specialisms are left till the end to just deploy when everything else has been sort of set in stone. And uh, I think that's a good bit of advice to kind of consult these specialists early on so you can sort of set yourself up for success. But I wouldn't even go consult. You know, I'd, I'd be stronger than that. Do you know what I mean? Like I'd be bringing in those experts right at the beginning at the foundational stage as like true partners with mutual respect. And I think the output would be much more impactful. Hello, a quick reminder from me that if you're enjoying our podcast series, why not become a member of the DMI so that you can enjoy loads more content from webinars and case studies to toolkits and more real life insights from the world of digital marketing. Head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com forward slash ahead of the game to sign up for free. Now back to the podcast. You talked about the sort of slight resistance in general to digital, but is healthcare breaking through in terms of using social media? Like are healthcare brands on TikTok? You know, are we is is that happening now? And are there any particular brands that are great examples of that, do you think? So firstly, in terms of you know, let's let's take social as, as an example. There are like pockets of brilliance. What's what's really 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 bizarre is those pockets of brilliance sort of remaining as pockets of brilliance and not going mainstream. So, you know, myself and a, and a few incredible people did the industry's uh, first true social media campaign uh, a few years ago, which was in psoriasis. It's called psoriasis three hundred and sixty. And psoriasis is a, you know, a terrible infliction, you know, huge physical burden, very, very incredibly painful, like, you know, uh, all over your skin, really irritable, painful, like terrible, terrible physical condition, especially if it's like moderate to severe. But there's also like a real um, emotional and psychological bag- baggage that comes comes with it that's often, often overlooked. So the idea with psoriasis 360 was to try and um, galvanise a community and um, hear from the community. And it was massive because it was it was post-moderated, which for Johnson & Johnson was a huge step. Just to explain what that is for our listeners. Creating the platform to allow people to have a conversation, a free conversation, as opposed to almost being a gatekeeper for all those comments. So, so you know, you make a comment, they, re- they review it and go, yeah, that's fine, we can post it. Which is not good. To no, we're gonna we're gonna support the community and we're gonna enable them to make comments, and then we'll review it afterwards if anything is inappropriate. Huge like illustration of partnership between Johnson Johnson the community and a massive kind of step forward. It's funny because that doesn't sound like a big deal at all in like you know like a lot of industries, but I, I do absolutely understand why that that is a massive deal in healthcare because of this. Uh, huge risk averseness and fear of a PR disaster. So yeah, I, I I do understand that. But the impact it had on the patients was amazing. So what you would have, you know, I think it cost some like, you know, hundred thousand active users in a couple of months, which is a massive number when you consider, you know, we're talking about people over psoriasis. And on there, you'd have people, you know, talking about how arduous it was, how challenging it was, and it was really, you know, really, really, really tough reading. And then obviously often someone would say, yeah, but, you know, go and see a dermatologist who's just been prescribing a new treatment and the talk about all the kind of hope and the talk about the positive impacts. And because it was coming from within the community and because it was for the community, like community would really like listen to this. They'd go and, you know, see the dermatologist and they're demanding you standard care. And this was absolutely like life changing. 
these are people who, you know, hadn't been on dates, hadn't been for job interviews, and you know, gone on holiday, you know, who were largely like staying at home and weren't taking the most from life. And suddenly there's this ray of light that was coming from this social media campaign going, there's, there's better options than there's kind of hope out there. So like a small step, you know, in some ways, absolutely life-changing step in other ways and fantastic. Now, what's insanely frustrating is that then doesn't open the door to more. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's where I want to start driving change and go, right, brilliant. You know, we've taken a small step for our, or a big step for our industry, a small step in terms of technology. Let's change that into massive steps and let's do loads of them and let's make it a sprint, you know, and let's start doing much more of this. So that's like an example of, of the kind of change we're looking to drive. Yes, that, that's interesting that. So, uh, so, so fast forward to today, what sort of stuff are you working on now? It's, it's really very simple to describe. So if you can imagine you're progressing through the kind of healthcare system and, you know, I hope you've never spent a huge amount of time in, in the kind of space, but if, but if you are, there's certain things I'm, I'm sure you can appreciate and it's incredibly com- confusing, right? Incredibly confusing. Um, r- really, really frustrating. Um, really, really slow. You can get stuck all the time in, in different cycles. You might keep going back to see your GP, keep trying different treatments, might be ineffective. And it's just really arduous, really confusing, really slow. I was working on a, a treatment at the moment. A diagnosis takes seven to 10 years, seven to 10 years. So if you're living 60, 70, 80 years, that's almost 10% of your life not knowing what disease you've got. So you've got to imagine this really, really slow, arduous journey through healthcare. And more often than not, people like falling out of it because they lose hope and they give up and they get frustrated. So what we're doing now is using technology and using ideas to go, how can we make that process as seamless as possible? How can we make sure it requires the least toil and the least effort and make it sure it's as, as simple and as straightforward as we can. And that's what we're calling basically health control. Health control? Health control. And that, that's, our, that's how we are looking to try and drive these reasonably simple, more pain-free, more rewarding experiences through these very, very challenging and confusing systems. And the thing about healthcare, it's really, really simple. The quicker people like recognize a symptom and the quicker they go and talk to a doctor and the better they articulate how they're feeling in the symptoms, the more quickly the doctor can refer them, the more quickly they can get them on the right treatment. And the quicker that path is, like the better the outcome is going to be. So the more that we can use technology to accelerate that path, the better we can improve outcomes. And the way that happens is... If you look at almost all like healthcare systems, I'm generalizing massively. If you look at the bulk of systems and technologies and products and services that make up healthcare at the moment, they all look like falling out of the early 2000s in terms of user experience. Do you know what I mean? They're so dated, it's unbelievable. So you may go and do you know a simple survey, and and it, and it has not changed since like 2005. And then you look at every other like service and technology that exists in your life and it's like seamless, it's discreet, 
it's dynamic, it's responsive, it takes um, an awareness of your environment and your data and your life. And, and it's like a, it's a partner all the way through. And it's true, that isn't it? Because just to st- pause on that, I think what's interesting, an interesting point about that is that we all have to understand consumer expectations are always set by the things that are just present in their lives by Uber, Facebook, Deliveroo, BBC iPlayer, Netflix, and that's what you're up against. With And it's funny, there's loads of brands, not just in healthcare, there's loads of brands that still haven't quite got that memo, you know, and they still think that they can live by quite low or deliver on quite low standards. So it's, it's interesting hearing you talk about that. And, and that's where dispositional breaking rules as follows stems from. And I'm currently more comfortable if a client's not up for that because they can work with someone else. Um, you know, you only have to look at, I've just been, you know, I just had to test my little boy this morning uh, for COVID using this on-go package. And it, it's just a, an absolutely incredible experience, you know, and comparable with anything in, you know, the kind of consumer sphere. And, and that's what we need to really be delivering. And, and honestly, you look largely across the sector and it is still stuck in 2010 in terms of the experience it delivers. And what we have to do is really, you know, replicate the experience and the service and the reward that's delivered in other sectors. And I'll just give you very quickly a parallel. Five, 10 years ago, if you looked at creativity in healthcare, it was largely absolutely rubbish. If you now go to something like CAM and you look at the creativity in healthcare versus that outside of it, it absolutely goes toe-to-toe. I think now it's it's kind of better. Um, and the same has got to be true of technology. Fast forward two, three, four years, we can't turn around and go, yeah, we've done an absolutely phenomenal job for healthcare. Aren't we clever? You know, we need to be delivering the best possible technology regardless of, of sector because it counts the most. Have you been personally involved with any of these quite any of these PR crises social media crises because they would when you look up healthcare case studies that they are one of the things that kind of commonly come up um has that ever landed on your doorstep that kind of thing no if if I'm honest and it's interesting so when I first kind of got into the industry there was a book written by a guy called uh and he, he was very vocal at the time called Ben Goldacre, and he wrote a book called uh, Bad Farmer. Bad Farmer. And it was really, obviously, you know, go through it and kind of read it and, you know, very much like listen for it and all these different things. As part of a team, um, wrote a white paper called Good Farmer, which was, you know, very much sort of my experience. And the thing that I would say is I've been fortunate enough to work with people across the industry. Uh, for, as you kindly pointed out, or I pointed out, for about 20 years, across different companies, across the world, across primary care and across secondary care. And I have absolutely never worked with someone that isn't totally committed to trying to improve patient outcomes. So I can only talk about, you know, my experience. And that's working with very, very good people like you or I, who are really, really motivated um, who absolutely believe in the science and the medical community they represent, who want to you know try and improve improve outcomes, and that's my personal experience. Yeah, I can tell that you're not happy with how the pharma industry is portrayed in popular culture because it is portrayed as having some sort of 
you know, at its worst, some evil agenda in, in conspiracy theories, but they have bled into, in, in a small way, into the mainstream um, and things like Bad Farmer, books like Bad Farmer haven't necessarily helped. And I can tell that 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 is a frustration for you because you feel that there's goodwill and it's and this stuff is done in good faith, right? Yeah. So I work with someone, she's an amazing friend, she's down at Oxford University. She's about a thousand times smarter than me called Eleanor Stride, uh, OBE. And she is just an incredible, I'm going to use the word scientist for simplicity, incredible scientist. And I've been able to have, over the years, loads of debates with her. And she believes the most important thing in terms of being able to unlock the scientific benefits is trust with society. And, and I absolutely couldn't agree more. And that's really become very apparent, you know, in the pandemic, particularly with regard to kind of vaccines. Now, she's got a very interesting take on how you kind of build that trust. And I really, really like it. And and, and she's all about authenticity. So the industry tries to portray itself as, as almost flawless. And she's got she's got this point of view of going, science isn't like that. And when you're in the lab, you try many, 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 many things and many, many things don't work. And then over time, you evolve and you iterate and you learn and you develop. And then you arrive at kind of the right solution that's then obviously like tested insanely rigorously to a point of view where we can be really, really confident within it. And she just honestly believes in, in two things. Number one is like that, that, that transparency and that authenticity and she also, which I love because I've got small children, is believes like the education of science should begin, you know, at the same time as you're teaching kids to read. Because what she wants is a really, really like educated uh, society um, who can, you know, ha- be informed and be knowledgeable. And therefore we can we can have that authentic and transparent relationship with and have these very, very educated conversations. So, yeah. I'm really quite frustrated at times by the negative persona because I feel in in some respects, I represent some of the most incredible scientists and medical leaders who've developed the most unbelievable treatments that can bring about a huge amount of benefit, but without trust and with paranoia, anxiety, you know, you kind of limit what's achievable. So yeah, I can be frustrated by it. That's very interesting. That's a very interesting topic in itself. Do you think? Do you think anyone outside of what you do, you know, just out in the pharmaceutical or the healthcare industry, has anyone really nailed that? Like, is has anyone looked up to as a fantastic example of developing that trust, potentially through authenticity? But who who knows what strategy they're using? But has anybody actually do you feel gained that trust in a, in a tangible way? So I, I would say. There'll probably never be greater learnings in that space than through the pandemic and the vaccine. You know, in terms of the challenges that society and industries had to face and how we've then tried to overcome and build like that knowledge and that confidence. So I would hope that all the lessons that we're all more than aware of over the last 18 months. That's a big hope, Dave. Yeah, but, but you know, from, from, from leadership, from misinformation, from the, the distribution of, of validated information, 
you know, incredible learnings. And I would like to believe that the industry is probably in, in a better footing than it has been in the past. And we've probably got the opportunity to kind of build on that platform, move forward and learn those lessons um, and be much better, you know, moving forward in terms of partnership and trust to enable really the only thing I, I give a damn about and the only thing I really care about is the ability for people to be able to make informed, informed decisions and to enable those informed decisions. Yeah, I really, really hope so. I, I hope you're right because I, I do worry that anti-science uh, it never really was something I even thought about before the pandemic, the, the idea of people being anti-science. And I feel like I've heard about it and even on in some level encountered it. Um, and that, that does worry me. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it's all about education. But can I tell you a story that sort of speaks to this? So first couple of weeks of the pandemic, and I'm chatting to a friend of mine who, who we used to work with called Bob Wainwright. And it's just entering the, the period of lockdown. And um, and we could never do this. But, um, you know, cut this idea and we go, God, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if everyone who was sort of uh, respecting the lockdown had some way of sort of sharing it on social media, you know, for I'll just say a green band on their wrist. And it really, really quickly get across the world, you know, everyone who was kind of supporting it. It's a brilliant idea. And, you know, then you kind of share it and off it goes. And then someone's going, oh, wow. And it could also, you know, check people's like temperature and, you know, check the blood and it could check the local weather and it could do all these thousand different things and, and it could do everything. And then it ends up doing nothing because that really, really simple idea that was just a green piece of string that could have been live within 24 hours suddenly becomes like really, really convoluted and complicated. And, and one of the things that I really believe in as we move forward is like simplicity of going, here's a really good idea using technology or not using technology, what I'm a big believer in going is let's keep things simple, let's deliver on them and let's build momentum and features and innovations on top of that. And that for me is is a big, big thing in the space as well. Keeping things simple, impactful, generating momentum and, and interest and then moving forward. Yes, I think you're right. I think that um, whatever works, whatever's effective, it's just not about, uh, I think you've already hinted at that, it's not about playing with uh, the biggest, shiniest toys of the moment just to kind of look good. However, on that point, one thing I did want to ask you, just from where you're standing, which is a, a, a great viewpoint, I think, what digital technologies in the context of marketing, what are you most excited about? What What are you kind of hoping there'll be an opportunity to play with creatively uh, in the next campaign that you work on? For me, it's much more around the biggest change in, in communication. So you and I are doing this from like the opposite sides of the world and feels pretty comfortable, feels pretty normal. It's how we're now kind of working. So I think the biggest change, and, and I'm definitely not going to sit here and go, oh, we're going to do something in the metaverse because... I'm sure there'll be a rationale and a purpose and it will make sense, you know, somewhere. And I'm kind of excited by it. One of my partners in the considered, Professor Shafi Ahmed, seems to spend more time in there now than anywhere else. And he's, he's a surgeon, which is amazing. But but I'm definitely not going to go, it's it's this platform or, or that platform. But I think the biggest change and the biggest space where technology plays, plays a role is just how we communicate has changed, like, so dramatically. So we're now much more comfortable in terms of like hybrid. We're much more comfortable in terms of virtual engagement. They feel much more natural. 
the ability to create content has changed like profoundly from having to like travel around the world with a camera crew and a microphone to being able to you know speak to five people in a single day so i actually think the biggest 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 change will be in terms of how we we generate and create and then curate and disseminate high quality genuinely interesting like content and i think the makeup of editorial and communication and campaigns and all these different things i think it's changing really quite dramatically and will continue to change and to your point uh, before the other one is around products and services and i think the biggest change will be in in how products and services are developed and going from uh, discrete interventions to something that's much more you know ongoing dynamic that like learns and responds and feels much more like a, an ongoing sort of partner and coach so i think to be honest with you, I think I think everything's going to change, um, and going to change quite rapidly. It is, but I suppose my my question, I'm more just on a personal level. I'm not asking you to sort of nail your, you know, your entire raison d'être to one thing or, or make any big statement. But just just very personally, is there anything that you that are you, are you excited about? The, meta, the metaverse vr ar just video and the way that's going like what sort of what floats your boat what do you kind of enjoy working with uh, most or get excited about i i am in equal measures excited by and terrified by um the metaverse so i have absolutely no reason no idea why you'd want to go into a mcdonald's to order a burger when you can just do it through an app. Like, I, I, don't, I don't understand, like, that experience and, and what that represents. But the other aspects, again, so my partner, Professor Shafi Ahmed, has given lectures in the metaverse. And I go, that's incredible, right? So, and it, he's done, like, three TED Talks, and he's a world-famous surgeon, and he's done some amazing stuff. And instead of educating five, 25, 50 students, you know, in London, he's educating students in the metaverse from around the world and, you know, driving sort of medical and scientific exchange. And I go, that's absolutely, you know, in incredible. Um, a key part in what I do is, is congresses and, you know, really expensive uh, to produce, you know, huge, uh, I guess, quite significant kind of environmental impacts when you consider people like traveling around the world um quite quite limited you know in terms of how long they run through versus 365 days a year it's a pretty inefficient way to share information between humans isn't it i suppose a conference yeah spectacular as it stands like mm. yeah like you know i mean there's a lot of suppliers who are going it's really efficient because it's very very profitable um but, but i agree with you in terms of just like that that probably made sense in like the nineties, and and there was no other way to kind of facilitate scientific exchange than than bring people together. Does it make sense thirty years later? God, I don't think so. Um, and and in that space, you know, I think I think the metaverse is 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 really interesting. But but equally, man, like you know, terrified by it as well as you know, a parent with young children, and just they play Roblox or Minecraft. Your kids, yeah, which obviously try desperately because that's the metaverse that's all it is yeah i mean we're in the metaverse now you know it's not 
I think that um, some sort of bad version of Second Life, you know, is it doesn't necessarily have to be what it is. And I think um, I think we, we we're stepping into it in in many ways without realizing. But like you say, it's when it starts to actually replace things like, a, for instance, a conference and. Um, I think that's when it really starts to truly manifest in in our culture, in society. And that is happening and um, it's, it is interesting for sure. It, it, it's when it starts to feel like Ready Player One that I start to get nervous. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, I, and I'm trying yeah. to go to my little boy going, come on, let's go play football. And he's like, I am playing football and he's not on <laughs> yeah. his DS. But that, yeah. that's no difference when me and, you, me and you were kids playing the first version of FIFA. So, uh, uh, you yeah. know, it, which parent's not concerned? Exactly, exactly. Um, okay, so our listeners are information-hungry marketers, digital marketers, uh, looking to get ahead of the game, as the title of the podcast suggests. And so if they were thinking about going into a career in healthcare marketing, is it any different than going working in any other industry? Or do you do certain things like SEO or PPC or become more prominent in healthcare? Yeah, I mean, I, I think bizarrely, People trying to use their complications almost as as a deterrent, which I don't really agree with. You know, when I'm looking to add people to the team, it's are you an incredible ideas person, strategist, technologist? Brilliant, come and join us. Um, do you have heart? Do you have empathy? Yeah, great, perfect. Um, so no, I I, I don't think uh, there's any particular like challenges. And, and the thing is, you marry people together, don't you? Say so you take that brilliant creative technologist or developer and you put them with, you know, brilliant kind of scientific or medical mind. And then, you know, serendipitous, you watch what happens and nine times out of ten it's pretty awesome. Um, so now I would I would actively encourage people to to get into it. And if you if if I was one of your mates and we were down the pub and I was saying to you, you know what, Dave, I actually really fancy doing what you do and going into that industry, what would you tell me about it? What would you what would you how would you prep me for that, <laughs> for my job search that starts tomorrow? I definitely wouldn't deny that it's hard work by, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you're talking to someone who's loved the last 20 years and is very excited for the next 10. So, you know, I'd be pretty enthusiastic in terms of the opportunities to to use creativity and use technology to, to do something meaningful. Um, I definitely wouldn't hide you from the fact it's hard work. I wouldn't hide you from the fact that there's more barriers and probably more hurdles than in any other sector. Um, but as with anything, there's always ways around. There's always, you know, s- solutions. You maybe just need to work harder and, and try more. So what what if I was going to launch an agency um, in this sector? What would you say based on your experience? It's an interesting time to do it. You know, I guess there's, there's loads of reasons why you wouldn't as, as we you know, come out of the pandemic and the world works in, in different ways. And then I go, but there's loads of reasons whereby actually now as a result of new ways of working, you know, so it's, it's a real advantage um, and it's allowed us to have quite a large impact. So we launched in September uh, 21, so just under, under six months ago. And we operate in a space with, big, big, big agencies of, you know, anywhere between one and 5,000 people, you know, very, very well recognised, huge budgets uh, behind them, particularly around kind of marketing and brand awareness. But for the first week of, of launch, 
we, we largely sort of dominated the conversation. And actually, it was really interesting because we got we got asked to feature in this um, this journal around like the top agencies. And I'm going, oh my gosh, you know, they've probably got more people managing the office than we've got. You know, how how can we, you know, within this like five people you want to speak to or five agencies? But it was real evidence that within that first week, you know, within healthcare, we were the most discussed agency. You know, despite you know the fresh launch and despite being independent and and actually didn't spend any money at all in terms of media. So it was all done through like social and days from all these different things, but incredibly successful because on one Friday, no one knew they considered. And on the following Friday, the whole industry knew who we were. And what captivated them about, about the idea of that? Well, I think there was a few things. So the idea captivated them. It's the idea of going, breaking the rules, others follow. So if you look at the positioning of, pretty much every agency in, in healthcare. And you'll you'll not find anyone more committed to improving outcomes than me. Um, but if you look at the positioning, very, 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 very similar, you know, in terms of uh, very kind of patient-centric, very much about um, impact and science, Re- really, really interchangeable and similar. And then someone comes out and goes, we're going to break the rules, others follow. You know, really, really bold, very, very different. So I think that really kind of captured captured people's interest um but more than that what we really recognized is the dissemination of information even as an agency had just changed like dramatically and we really leveraged that so clubhouse was was a key aspect in our launch and we'd spent three months three months sort of building this community on on clubhouse um linkedin twitter social all these different platforms and data we were just light years ahead of the other agencies in terms of the speed at which we were working, the quality and interest of content we were generating and how we kind of played with that across the platform. So basically it went from no one knowing who we were till the whole industry in a week. And then it's and then it's not stopped. You know, four months later, we still largely sort of dominate uh, the various different social platforms in terms of the editorial and quality of content we produce um, and and really are are in loads of ways like facilitating the conversation when people probably have 10 or 100 times our budget in terms of creating that awareness. So for me, you know, launching an agency, because we've embraced new ways of working, new ways of communicating, new ways of exchanging information, it's been awesome because we've we've been able to generate that level of interest because we've been really entrepreneurial and we've been really kind of bold in terms of how how we're trying to position ourselves. So I would be going to anyone who's thinking about doing it. Today's a better day than any day. Um, And the opportunities you have far outweigh those that would have existed three years ago if you use the latest trends and the latest opportunities to facilitate conversations. Yeah, and it sounds to me like you went in quite strongly with content creation um uh, is that would that be right yeah i'll give you an example i i do um i do a series like rule breaks of healthcare and oh my gosh i've spoken to someone called uh, nigel osborne mbe um this incredible like music composer who's using audio uh, stimulation to treat children with epilepsy whilst also working in uh, syrian refugee camps incredible guy uh, aurora archer uh, driving uh, diversity uh, across the world, incredible advocate for the BIPOC community. I, I've, I've interviewed some amazing, amazing, amazing people 
in these like rule breakers of healthcare uh, interview series. Before the pandemic, that would have cost me $250,000 and I would have had to spend six months flying around the world with an interview team and with a camera and with a microphone. And now it took me you know, less than a week, you know, use platforms like Fiverr, produce this incredible content and got it out there, you know, and it cost me less than $1,000. And, and that is the mentality, I think, that we should be exhibiting that we can do for ourselves and for our clients that the bigger and more established agencies just just can't think and will like that. Yes, use your nimbleness, your agility, your your small size as a real advantage. Yeah, and autonomy, and, and autonomy. I think autonomy is a, a, a massive word in what you just said as well. Uh, in what, what in what way? Not having to drive everything through committee. So having that sense of you know belief in yourself and that the team around you, encouraging that initi- initiative, um, and that autonomy and believing in people and their intelligence to kind of make decisions versus, you know, the endless kind of meetings and committees and bureaucracy around every little move you take. Dave, thanks so much. I feel like I've learned so much about um, an industry. I feel like our listeners have, have learned a lot about what it, you know, what it might be like working on that industry. And um, yeah, it's been, been a very interesting little journey through and hearing about you starting the agency as well. So one last question for you. Tell me where our listeners can find you and connect with you online. Yeah, absolutely easy. Uh, LinkedIn is the main platform I use, um, supported by you know, Twitter and various other ones. But if you go to LinkedIn, uh, David Hunt, they're considered. And then we have all the rule breaker interviews, all the health control theory, um, and all the other kind of thought leadership and ideas about how to change healthcare and how to launch an agency. That's fantastic. We'll make sure we go and do that. Well, Dave, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I hope to chat to you again soon. Cheers. Yeah, ideally next time later in the day, not six in the morning my time. (laughs) Yeah, we can definitely do that. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Dave. See ya. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about transforming your marketing career through certified online training, head to digitalmarketinginstitute.com. Thanks for listening.